Welcome to the Discipleship Discussions Podcast. We believe everyone can be a disciple who makes disciples. Our goal is to help you with this process. Each week, we take the lesson taught through basic discipleship and break it down in a discussion format. Now, let's join today's discussion. Hey, viewers, thank you for joining us today with this episode of the Discipleship Discussions. Uh, my name is Benji Linder, and with me is Dr. Patrick Latham. Uh, today's topic is prayer, delight, or drudgery. And that's kind of a hard word to say. Uh, and probably should have rehearsed this a little yeah. better. But starting off with the title. So why did you give it that title? And it, you see two pendulums, right? Yeah. You got delight and then drudgery, yeah. drudgery. Yeah. drudgery. Uh, and so um, why those two ends of the pendulums and maybe give light to your personal life and what that has looked like on both ends, if applicable. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you you only end up doing what you want to do in some ways. And I think you can apply that to prayer, that for many people, prayer is this thing of obligation. It's this uh thing of I have to instead of being a thing of opportunity and I get to. And so for me, you know, in order to have a, a strong prayer life, I've got to have the right perspective when it comes to prayer, that this isn't a task list type of thing. This is, you know, a joy. This is something I get to do. What better way to start my day than to talk to the Lord. And so I think for a lot of people to really unlock the power of prayer, to get engaged in a meaningful and helpful prayer life, they, they've got to flip their perspective on it. And, and we're bad in the 21st century American world about having a task list approach to Christianity. We're about productivity. We're about accomplishing. And when we apply that to the spiritual realm, a lot of th times that just doesn't work out well. So, so what we're doing in this teaching is, is trying to say, hey, flip the perspective, flip the script. You know, instead of viewing prayer as one of many things you need to do in order to have a successful life that makes God happy, hey, view it as this opportunity for you to engage with the God who already loves you through Christ Jesus, and you get to have interaction, intimacy, fellowship with Him. That's uh, good. So like somewhere along the way, I've learned or heard mm -hmm. this that Martin Luther once said, mm -hmm. again, it could have been Charles Spurgeon, when in doubt, yeah. go Luther Spurgeon, right? Yeah. I think it was Luther said, uh, how can I not spend three hours in prayer in mm -hmm. order to accomplish everything through today? Yeah. Now, pause. American yeah. culture is yeah. how can I spend 30 seconds in prayer? Yeah. You know, just think about that. Now, and you also mentioned beginning in the morning, as Luther would say, three yeah. hours spent in the prayer morning. So why would you encourage morning time versus another time? Or is that just a personal habit or personality yeah. related type deal? Yeah, I think it's important that, to you know, I say that that's personal. I think there's merit in, you know, practical reasons why it's better in the morning. There's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt pray in the morning. I think there's practical benefit in doing that. Um, but at the same time, I often encourage people, do what works for you. I mean, this is a relationship with God. It's a relationship, right? So with a relationship, you're usually, um, you usually approach a relationship with a human being with a degree of flexibility. You know, my wife's not going to be like, the only time you can talk to me is in the morning. 
you know, it just doesn't work that way. Now, in a sense, we like to say we've got our time in the evening to talk. So in our relationship, we have carved out time. So, you know, I think you have to you have to find out what works for you. But there is going to be a rub at some point where you do carve out time. And then you have to ask what works best for me. You can look at scripture and see that, you know, Jesus used the morning time. The psalmist speaks of morning, afternoon, and evening. He was carving out multiple times throughout the day. Daniel had a set time we see in Daniel 6.10. So I think what's important is to know you've got a set time. There's a little bit of discipline involved with that. And, you know, you've got to have a time that works for you. For me, the morning time seems to work best. Number one, I'm about to do a lot of stuff, and I want the perspective of the Lord with me. So I want to get that perspective first. And so uh, it helps in that regard. It helps, too, because I think I'm freshest in the morning. You know, I want to give of my best to the master, you know, not just because he deserves it, but because I need that time to be, you know, I I need it to be quality. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I wait till the evening, that's when I like to just read, chill, relax, do other things that don't require as much mental power, whether it's watching a favorite show, hanging out and playing games with the family. You know, I save those for later. You know, I need that quality time with the Lord where my mind is clear and open. For me, that's the morning time. And and so morning time's best for me, I found. But I also like to find little times throughout the day apart from that. That saves from what I call the God in the box routine, where it's like, this is the only time I'm allowed to talk with you, talk to you or play with you, God. I've got you reserved, boxed off to, you know, seven in the morning. So that's good. And if you're listening and what he did not say is you have to pray in the morning, you can pray whatever's best for you. And I would also recommend uh, the book when W H E N by Daniel Pink Uh, read this book uh, last year. Very, very helpful. He broke down the psychology behind how we're wired and you have like the early risers, Mm. the, um, What's the night owls? And you had the in betweeners. He had a fancy name for that. I can't think of it right now, but highly recommend that because that can influence your prayer life. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing when's best for you. You don't want to pray at a time where your brain is already checking out, like the evening time. Same, mm-hmm. I have the same personality. After four o'clock, I'm not really good at making any major decision, nor do I want mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. a major decision. And so prayer after that time is probably a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Uh, you yeah, also, and yeah. I, I would add to that, um, the book, I think it's called one thing. I can't remember. I think Keller is the author and that's where I, I pick some of that same stuff up where he, he talks and it comes from the field of neuroscience, I guess, where they study the brain and how it operates, but he encourages anything that's real substantial in your life. Anything that requires a lot of mental power to have it done by noon mm-hmm. is what they recommend in that book. Yeah. I just add that in there along with that book yeah. recommendation recommendation for when. Yeah, so. I think that's good. And I think they call it the third bird. So you have early mm-hmm. risers, night owls, and the third bird is kind of like the um, in-between. Yeah. And they say most Americans are actually 
an in-between mm-hmm. uh, type person, a third bird. So um, you referenced in your teaching session that prayer is not about religion. You read from Luke chapter 18 where you have mm-hmm. the Pharisee praying and you have, uh, I believe Scripture calls it just the sinner that was praying and, and beating his chest. And so don't think, you know, King Kong here, like yeah. this is just a um, something that we probably don't do today, but they would yeah. do there, just a sign of humility. So here's the question. Uh, we have self-righteousness and we have humility. How does that play into our prayer lives? And do we all have a little self-righteous Pharisee in us? And if yeah. so, does that come out while we pray? Yeah, I would say, um, it, man, it plays into our, our prayer life huge. You know, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Self-righteousness is an attempt to mask our brokenness, to attempt to be to appear to be something we're not, or to be a, to appear to be something we know we should be. So it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sin and they realize, whoa, something's just happened. Something's just changed. The Bible says they realized they were naked. So apparently nakedness was normal in the Garden of Eden, right? But with shame that came from sin, there became this awareness that we're imperfect, we're broken, we're embarrassed, we feel guilt. Let's cover ourselves. So all self-righteousness is is another it's another version of the shame game. Mm-hmm. There's others, pride, egotism, insecurity, comparison, covetousness. It's all it's all different versions of the shame game, a way to cope with brokenness. So self-righteousness is, is trying to cover your shame by making yourself to appear to have it all together in order to impress others, really. And maybe in some way to impress God. I don't know, but you you don't really do that because like he said to the son, you can exist. How are you going to impress him? You know, so I think, I think it's huge. Um, self, self-righteousness is evidence that there's really a breakdown spiritually and you're probably not praying or you're not praying as you ought to pray. So there's a breakdown spiritually where you don't feel yourself, number one, as being truly broken. You don't recognize that Christ alone can heal you. So you're operating from this this entire spiritual base that's just misguided. So so you're off center spiritually, in a sense. You're you're, you're not focused on the gospel. You're not focused on grace. Um, You don't have a real awareness of your brokenness. I think, I think a self-righteous person is they're trying to mask it, but you don't have a real profound awareness of your brokenness. And so it's huge. If you're stuck in self-righteousness, you really can't pray because James said, you know, draw near to God in, in James four. And in saying that he said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord that he may exalt you in due time. So James shows that to really draw near to God, you've got to realize how messed up, broken, fallen, imperfect, finite, needy you are. And when you finally realize, I don't have it all together, I need God, then you're in the right posture to actually draw near to God. So it's it, it fundamentally affects whether or not you do pray. Because a lot of people don't pray because they they haven't got to that place. They don't realize they need God. Then number two, it affects how you pray. Um, It it puts you in this different posture, as with 
the tax collector beating his chest. Have mercy upon me, O God. Yeah. That's good. And for book recommendation there, if we're going to go there, yeah. uh, Prodigal God by Timothy Keller uh, yeah. just revolutionized my life. I've read it, gosh, uh, three, four times mm-hmm. over uh, in the last five, six years. And so uh, I would highly recommend that book. Uh, it gives you a new perspective on the prodigal um, son story mm-hmm. uh, and dealing with self-righteousness. Uh, mm-hmm. I came from a background of unrighteousness uh, mm-hmm. that no one had to convince me I was a sinner. It's yeah. very obvious. Uh, and then the longer I walked with Jesus, the more self-righteousness mm-hmm. just started to grow. And is this a feeding ground? And there's so much I can go into there. And, yeah, and I think we, he, yeah. I think he, you know, it's often been said that it's not really the prodigal. It's not really the parable of the prodigal son, but the non-prodigal son, you know, it's really a parable about the other son mm-hmm. and that, and you know, it, when you look at parables, you always have to ask, why did Jesus tell this story on that one? If you, if you look at the surrounding context, he was confronting the pride filled self-righteous Pharisee. So great point. Yeah. And you uh, went on and you started to talk about how prayer is not a ritual so how does that play out in the lives of believers about prayer just becoming um, a ritual, something you kind of mentioned earlier, but expand on that a little more. What does that look like for us as a believer? Yeah, I think you just have to be careful that you, again, don't have a checklist mentality that you come to prayer as a thing you've got to do to be spiritual for the day. Like, got that one, um, check that box on my app. It's disappeared and in the, the trash trash bin now. Got it done for the day. You've got to avoid that, but then you even get more into the mechanics of prayer. Like, be careful that you're not so focused on cultural uh, cues, Christian culture cues, cliches, customs, catchphrases. Um, you know, I love that verse in Lamentations two nineteen. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord. It really, I think, expresses what prayer should be. It's it's this relational conversation, this connection with God, this intimacy with Him. Don't make it all about how you pray, what you say, did you do this, did you do that? You know, we've got a lot of that, you know, getting down into the weeds here, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of folklore when it comes to prayer of you can't say this and you've got to say that, or you must attach this phrase at the end of your prayer for it to be really effectual, you know, in Jesus name we pray, amen. Or, or you've got to address God in a certain way, or God doesn't like to hear a prayer requests like that. You know, and it's sad. I have people even ask me as a pastor, am I allowed to pray for myself? And it's unbelievable that there would be that assumption when you read scripture, but there's so much out there in Christian culture that makes prayer about this mechanical ritual observance with these unspoken rules that people are afraid to pray. Mm -hmm. And so I say, that's why I say, Hey, it's not about ritual. Relax. Just talk to God. Uh, And I think that's good. It kind of leads me to uh, next point. You, You said prayer is not earning God's favor. It's experiencing God's favor. Mm -hmm. So, you just left off with saying it's, you know, you're pouring your heart out, Lamentations mm-hmm. 210, mm-hmm. right? And 219. so 219, yeah. close. Uh, <laughs> so uh, give a, expand on that statement there. You mentioned just very briefly, but prayer is not earning God's favor. It's experiencing God's favor. Like why, why choose those words? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, 
go back to middle school for an example. Oh Lord, yeah. <laughs> so the middle school dance of all things. Okay, right. Yeah, I've seen the counselor. I, I bet you were at, at a stud at those dances, right? You know, I had my my time there, but it'd be right. I'm starting to cry yeah. a little. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, right. you go back to your hill. So for you, so to, to to shed a little bit of light on me, I I never had a date to those dances. Never had a girlfriend to those things. I was the the chunky kid over by the refreshment table. All right, so that was me. You know, now you can imagine there was oftentimes I wanted to dance with a certain girl or wanted to be able to approach her. But what's the fear that went through my mind? If I go and talk to her, she's going to say no. Right. So I'm operating from this basis of fear. I'm operating from this idea that I could be rejected. So that kept me over there as the the blubbery kid near the punch bowl. Right. So um, I think you could maybe apply that to our prayer life in a way. If we have this perspective of God that he's mad at us, that he's going to reject us, that he doesn't want to talk to us, that we've got to somehow earn his approval and impress him, we're going to be less likely to approach him. We're going to have this dread and drudgery that I talk about. But if we understand the gospel, that we've already been made righteous in Jesus, that he loves us, the Heavenly Father loves us more than we can ever imagine. There is absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He sent his son to live the perfect life we could never live, die for our sins. His son was raised to give us life and acceptance and freedom. Um, when we understand that, when we understand that now when God looks at us, he sees us as being spotless and sinless as his son. That totally transforms how we approach prayer. I, I'm not hesitant to go to the Lord as much because I know he loves me. I'm not thinking, will he accept me? Is he mad at me? Oh, I've got to somehow try to impress him. It, it's a game changer. It totally reorients our perspective on prayer. Uh, I appreciate your answers there. Um you also mentioned that prayer. So you did the prayer is not about, and then mm -hmm. you said prayer is about, you mentioned rest. And so my mind went to this question. To falling asleep while you pray? Is that close? I mean, <laughs> I only do that during sermons, you know, <laughs> okay, honestly. Yeah. That's why they have me running the computer now. <laughs> and so, uh, but here's the question is you, prayer is about rest. And so my mind goes to uh, the idea of Sabbath. Yeah. And, you know, connecting prayer and the Sabbath. So communion with God. Um, how have you practiced that in your life or has that been a struggle or what does it look like? Have you spent time saying, all right, this day I am marking it off of my calendar yeah, yeah. and I'm spending this day in prayer mm -hmm. and fasting and communion with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I for me, I really try to keep those uh, rhythms. I guess you could call them those mm -hmm. disciplines throughout the week that I'm regularly spending time with the Lord. And uh, when I sense a need or a burden, there may be more time with the Lord. Um, I view that Sabbath as, yes, it's a time of worship that's already built in for me, but I really don't do anything extra or above in that time of worship. For me, I view that Sabbath as indeed being a physical rest, a time for the body and the mind to cease from labor so that it can recover. I think we have to be careful when it comes to the Sabbath of thinking that God has expectations on that of things albeit spiritual, that he wants us to do on that day. 
it's really a time he has made the human constitution to where we need every seven days to stop, to cease, to Shabbat, to rest. And so for me, that's a time of unplugging physically and mentally from my normal demands and duties. So, um, and then you, you look at prayer as rest. That means that when I do have those times, that this is a time of spiritual, emotional relaxation. You know, I hear guys who like to run, friends who are runners talk about, that's my time. You know, I get away. I'm away from everything. I'm in nature. I can clear my head. I think we should have a similar approach to prayer. Like, that's my time. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's blowing up my phone. The, it's It's on do not disturb mode. I don't have to do anything other than um, spend time with the Father. So it's a time of rest and slowing down and ceasing from activity. No, that's good. And we're going to finish up with two hot topic uh, points. Here we go. Number one, um, I've heard and have been instructed multiple times by multiple people that during my prayer time, I should set apart a time to listen. Mm-hmm. So, so because they say it's a two-way conversation, I, I think there's a a lot of validity in that. My struggle is whenever I get quiet mm-hmm. and I'm not talking, which is a difficult thing for me to do. I'm not a quiet person. Man, my mind goes to everything else. Mm-hmm. This morning, I prayed and I let allowed some time to just distance my, distance myself from um, this verbally praying. And I look at my bookshelves and I look at all these books I want to be reading. And before I know it, I've already created a list of books I want to read. Mm-hmm. And so this whole idea of listening in prayer. So give us your thoughts on that. Yeah. Yes, I think you have to have a good uh, Bible understanding or theological understanding of how we hear from God. So um, I think the most basic way we hear from God is reading His Word. Mm-hmm. I mean, He spoke by the apostles and prophets, Holy Spirit inspired, 2 Timothy 3.16. It's been preserved for us. If we want to hear God speak, all we got to do is open the pages of the Bible and read, and the Lord's going to speak. He speaks as we read the Bible. So um, I think the Lord also can speak through not only scriptures, but the saints, I would say, you know, people who are um, filled with the Spirit and know Scripture, they know God's Word, they know truth. Um, when they speak about that truth, it can be a way of God speaking to you. You're not hearing from God directly. You're hearing from Him kind of indirectly. And, and that can be a preacher, a teacher, a Christian counselor, um, or a, a podcast or it can be a friend having a conversation. I've got an accountability partner I talk to most weeks. Um, so in talking to him, he might share some scriptural truth with me that is in alignment with God's word. And by hearing him share that, I'm hearing from God. Scripture, saints. You can also think of um, the Spirit. So the Spirit lives within us. The Spirit Jesus says in John 16, can guide us into all truth. So, um, you know, as a believer, that means I am now uh, programmed with the very Spirit of God, that same Spirit that inspired Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, Galatians 3.2 lives within my heart. And the Spirit, Romans 8, 
bears witness with my spirit, my immaterial man, that I'm a child of God. So I think God speaking to us sometimes can work like this. We can hear from Scripture directly. We can hear from saints who are relaying Scripture to us. Or the Spirit within us has a way of prompting us or reminding us of what's true. So I've never heard God speak audibly. I remember trying that because I, I, I had the same teaching. Prayer is, you know, talking to God, then listening. So I remember I tried to follow that advice and I would pause and say, God, speak. Now, I, I heard I'm supposed to listen. And I'd wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and wait, but I'd never hear a voice. It wasn't until later I really fully understood and learned that, hey, I, I pray to the Lord and there may be a sense of listening but I think that listening is, I'm not waiting for an audible voice. God communicated, I believe, to the prophets and the apostles that way. I'm not necessarily expecting him to communicate to me in that way. What I'm doing is maybe in listening, I'm meditating on God's truth. That is, you know, not kind of an Eastern idea of meditation, emptying my mind. Instead, I'm filling my mind with what I know to be true from God's word. And I'm placing my mind, my thought processes on that and mulling it over, if you will, and then allowing the Lord to, to guide me to what is true. And so that might be the time of type of listening we would have. I do not pause on my prayer time. I rarely, if ever, pause and say, okay, God, now I'm listening. If I do, it's because I'm praying about a thing and I'm allowing a time to think about what I already know is true from Scripture and allowing maybe for there to be an impression, if you will, mm -hmm. not a voice, but an impression of, Patrick, this is what's true. You know it. There are times I'm praying about something, and it's almost like I do have this impression from the Lord. You know what's true there. Do it. You don't even need to pray about it. You know, you see an example of that in Joshua, I think, when um, I think it was after they had been defeated at Ai. and Joshua went to pray, and the captain, the Lord's host, shows up and says, get up. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no need to pray. You, you know what to do here. So I think sometimes we're, there's folks wanting to listen. It's why, like, why listen? you got a book that tells you what's true. That's where God speaks, and then prayer is where we speak. It's the two-way street of communication. So for me, there's never this time of listening. Okay, God, talk to me. I think you'd be like, open up the Bible you know, um, but there are times of, okay, meditate, Patrick, and think about, not that I'm hearing this from him, but there, there is that place for meditating and thinking upon what I already know to be true. And then, and then following that, I think it's important to say in all of that, it all goes back to scripture, right? Neither the spirit within you or the saints around you can speak anything on behalf of God that violates scriptures, right? That is his mouthpiece for us. So that's good. And just in case someone's praying about this, whether or not they should pick up lunch for Patrick and Benji, it's <laughs> kind of like Joshua. You don't need to pray about that long. We like everything, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so final uh, thing. The only prayer you need to pray is, Lord, I'll do it. That's I'll, right. I'll, I'll yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So. I'll go above and beyond, right? Yeah. We like, you know, yeah. you know. And prayer <laughs> is asking, so they could ask, which do you like better, Chick-fil-A or Cheeseburger Bobby's or Scotty's Walk-Up Barbecue? They can't ask. 
prayer is asking. So, and I like all those every day of the weekend and went, why typically we'll eat those. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, last thing is this, um, looking at the idea of knowing when to stop praying. Uh-huh. For something. So we see in scripture the picture, even Jesus says, keep knocking, keep seeking, mm-hmm. keep asking. And then you have the pendulum right there. And then you have the, I'm praying for something that's not God's will, but maybe I'm not mm-hmm. ready to uh, realize that. Mm-hmm. So help the person who's there struggling. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm asking God, I've been asking God for 10 years for mm-hmm. filling the blank. I don't know if I need to keep asking, keep seeking, keep mm-hmm. knocking, or God's answer is no, not at all. Yeah, I, man, I would say as long as it's a burden to your soul and as long as you're convicted at something godly and that you should pray about, keep on praying. You see that in the story of the persistent widow, you know, where this Luke 18, where the judge says, finally going to give this woman what she wants because she's wearing me out. And the Lord applies that to our relationship with him. And uh, I don't think Jesus is saying, wear the Lord out in a negative sense. I think he's just encouraging us, take your burden to the Lord and keep on doing. You see it in the Sermon on the Mount, too. Which of you, if your uh, son asks you for um, bread, is going to give him a stone or fish? He's going to give him a snake. Is that the is that the comparison he gives, I think? But, it, but anyways, the point there was keep on asking. Now, what will happen in that? I've had things where I was emboldened to keep on asking because of stories like that in Scripture. But over time, again, because of my knowledge of Scripture, the counsel of friends around me, I started to realize I've been kind of immature in asking for that. I think I've got the answer I need, or that shouldn't be even something I'm asking for. I'm not really trusting the Lord. That's kind of greedy. So, you know, I was informed over time. I came to the new conviction as before that was my want, but now I understand that was a wrong type of want. So um, I, I, I would say pray for it if it's a burden, but don't worry. I mean, we probably we, we all probably seem so immature and finite in the way we approach the Lord at times. I mean, you just think of a father in your relationship to your children. There's times like, I can't believe they're asking for that for Christmas, you know. And there's probably times where we appear like that to the father, but guess what? Just as we love our children, he loves us even more, right? So he's cool with it and he'll lead us. He'll give us space to mature and the day will come where we realize, hey, I probably shouldn't have been praying for that, but you know what? It's all right. That's part of the maturation and development process. And understand this, as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, Commit your work unto the Lord, Scripture says. The psalmist teaches this. Solomon teaches this as well in the Proverbs. Commit your work unto the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So as you walk with the Lord, more and more He's going to change your heart and give you the desires He wants you to have. The more mature you become in Christ, the more you pray rightly. You pray the right type of prayers. Mm -hmm. So it's just a process. I get that question a lot. Is it wrong for me to pray this? Well, so what if it's wrong? Pray the wrong thing for a while. In time, if you keep on praying, you'll start praying the right type of stuff. You'll realize how foolish you were, and it's all right. God will still love you, and you'll experience more of His grace. Right. It's all about growing, yeah. learning. And uh, some people, I've been told, learn through wisdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they hear what you said, and they go, okay, 
I now know. And then others yeah. through experience and five years later, they're going to think back on this podcast session yeah. that they listened to and be like, oh, that's what yeah. Patrick was talking about. Uh, well, thank you for answering the questions uh, so well. Uh, and any closing comments, rude no, remarks, good, cries man. of outrage? I'm good, man. I'm just waiting for all the lunch to roll in now. Uh, me too. I really, yeah. especially, I know there's one of our viewers, his first name's Matt, and I won't give his last name, uh, but I know he would love to buy his lunch. I just feel that. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. Uh, we hope it was useful to you. Uh, if you haven't already watched the teaching session and check out our other podcasts available. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion on basic prayer. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast. For show notes, visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the material presented in this discussion, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.